Stem Cells at Lunch Digested is brought to you by the Centre for Stem Cells and Regenerative Medicine at King's College London. Hi, and welcome to another Stem Cells at Lunch Digest. Uh, I'm Sergi Junien, a PhD student here at the Centre for Stem Cells and Regenerative Medicine at King's College London. And today here I have with me um, Kate Milosnikova, a postdoctoral fellow in the Sarah Wickstrom Lab in the University of Helsinki. Welcome, Kate. Thanks so much. Super happy to be here. So I always like to start with a, with a very simple question at the beginning, which is uh, what first got you interested in biology and why did you decide to become a biological researcher? Um, great question. Um, uh, I always was interested in understanding how things work and I'm actually an engineer by training and um, was always interested in breaking things apart um, so you can put them together and understand how they work and um, I didn't want to build bridges or work in nuclear power plants and so once I got introduced to the concept of bi bi biological and biomedical engineering um, I fell in love with the concept and I wanted to essentially engineer and understand how our human bodies work in health and disease. Yeah. Yeah, um, actually that was part of my question, so I, I've read that you were an engineer and I was wondering how, how the transition went from engineering and hard engineering to biological engineering. Yep, and um, I got introduced to the concept really um, during my uh, kind of 10 years as an undergraduate student at Olin College of Engineering in Boston, where one of my most uh, beloved professors uh, was a tissue engineering um, professor, and she introduced me to essentially building tissues from scratch and mm -hmm. from engineering perspective, from a mechanical perspective, how do you build tissues, how do you maintain them? Um, and uh, once I kind of got introduced to that, uh, there was no way back. So that's, mm -hmm. uh, I went to do, a, go on to do biomedical engineering a PhD and mm -hmm. here am I still uh, biomedical engineering stuff. yeah <laughs> so this PhD is actually uh, you did the PhD in Valeris Weber's lab in the between Berkeley and San Francisco uh, and there you studied the effect of bioforces in cancer aggressiveness and progression so Kate this is a very interesting topic and to be honest I don't know much about it uh, could you just explain us a little bit what the PhD was about Yeah, um, and it's actually kind of a fun, uh, fun thing to always discuss because we actually diagnose cancers based on biophysical properties um, of the tissue. So when we think about the lump in the breast or a headache in the brain, it's really a physical alteration of a tissue. So um, uh, a cancerous breast lump is actually simply a fibrotic tissue that uh, has manifested and you can diagnose, you can pop it and touch it. And a headache is simply a, uh, as, a as a mass of a tumor grows in the brain uh, within the confines of the skull. Um, there's pressure that is generated, and that is where the headache comes from. Mm -hmm. That's why patients come in and get diagnosed with brain cancers. Yeah. And so we have known that there's alterations in biophysical properties of tissues mm -hmm. uh, with respect to disease, especially cancer. Um, but we have never really, uh, we, we have only recently began to think about it uh, as an as a actual a guiding cue, perhaps biophysical forces driving the malignant progression and aggression of cancers. Yeah. In this context of uh, of biophysical forces in the context of cancer, uh, is there any treatment that is available regarding this connection? Yeah, um, there's actually a number of treatments that have been um, under development. Um, the unfortunate thing with treating uh, biophysics is actually if you do it too much, you lose tissue structure and then the 
the, the tumors actually are, become even more aggressive. Mm -hmm. So um, if you can think about the microenvironment or the physical space that the mm -hmm. cells are in, whether they're healthy or they're malignant, um, it's actually the, the space where they can crawl, the space where they live, they receive mm -hmm. their signals. So, and, and the idea was treating a cancer in that way is that because cancer is surrounded by healthy tissue, um, the healthy tissue needs the structural and mechanical support. Um, so the real, the big challenge in the field is how do you specifically target um, the the biophysical properties of malignant cells mm -hmm. without touching normal cells, and that's yeah. and that's uh, that's a tough one. Yeah, that's kind of the big question right now. Yeah. So okay, just to follow with the bio, uh, then you uh, went in, you moved to Grenoble, mm -hmm. and then to the Max Planck Institute in Germany, and then finally to Helsinki with the with the Wikstrom lab. And there, your main focus now is the understanding of how mechanical clues guide cell and tissue-level fate decisions and behavior, with a special emphasis on the nuclear mechanical responses and the mechanical adaptation of chromatin and nuclear envelope to extrinsic mechanical mechanical cues. Perfect. Couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> Uh, so could could you explain us a little bit uh, what your topic is about and what you're what what are you actually researching right now? Mm -hmm. And so in my PhD studies, um, I was really focusing on the biophysical properties of the outside kind of world where the tissues and cells are residing in. And now what I'm really interested in understanding is actually how do these forces actually modulate um, not disease progression, but actually homeostatic uh, cell decision. So how does, a, uh, how does a stem cell within a uniform sheet of, of, of a tissue decide to differentiate or decide to remain a stem cell? Mm -hmm. And we're figuring out that actually mechanical cues um, are guiding some of the decisions. And furthermore, that this kind of mechanical guidance is directly um, linked to the chromatin and the kind of the DNA material uh, of the cell. So in order to differentiate, a cell has to change its, its, its chromatin. It has to change its DNA material to become a stem cell or to, or to remain a stem cell or to, or to differentiate. And it's not only that the gene expression has changed and the chromatin landscape has mm -hmm. changed. Actually, the biophysical of chromatin is really different, uh, whether you are a differentiated cell or a stem cell. Yeah. And this has really... Um, this has uh, consequential events on what the cell is actually able to do. Yeah. But you can think of a cell as a, as a structure. If you're rigid, uh, you can do certain things. If yeah. you're soft and pliable, um, you can do other things. And um, so mechanics is a barrier uh, and is a kind of, it controls essentially um, a lot of cellular functions. Yeah. One interesting point in that is what do you think, why do you think we haven't really looked into that before? So if the mechanical forces are really important, and we've, we've been studying stem cell development and stem cell mm -hmm. differentiation for a while. Have we just missed it out? We, we didn't look in the correct direction? Um, actually, so mechanics, so kind of the field of mechanical transduction started probably in the 80s with the research on integrins, which are receptors on cell surfaces that sense mechanical forces and then move kind of to, uh, moved into the cytoskeleton and cell-cell mm -hmm. adhesions. And nowadays it's, it's really moved in really deep inside the nucleus to the to the uh, to the nucleus mm -hmm. but the idea is the reason why there hasn't been so much uh, translational research around mechanics is because engineers like to talk to engineers Me biologists too, yeah. like to talk to biologists yeah. and there's very few visionary labs and visionary people who are trying to bring everybody together yeah. having done the phd in a very um kind of clinical setting um, it takes years to to, to speak the same language, to try to understand yeah. each other and care about uh, the other person's point of view. Um, so it's hard work, essentially. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it seems to be kind of a recurrent topic that we've been having in these conversations uh, where I was speaking with uh, Guillaume Blin uh, from uh, Edinburgh and 
they were saying that since the moment that they brought a mathematician onto mm. the topic, they couldn't do a lot of things. Yeah. Kind of the same thing, right? So mm. if you don't bring somebody that knows about forces right. and how to measure and work yeah. with forces. And also think about things in a different way. Yeah, so exactly. The way that engineer looks at a tissue is really different than the biologist looks. Yeah. And the type of questions you ask are really different. So I think bringing together really interdisciplinary team is the way to solve these complex problems yeah. and bring all the aspects of decision make cellular decision making disease onset everything together in a holistic kind of way and not yeah. just look kind of in a very zoomed in perspective yeah. so from a yeah. protein centric or disease centric view i think yeah. big picture is that everything is integrated into the body exactly. yeah. and the body is subject to physical and uh, and biochemical and biological and genetic cues yeah and so just to wrap up i usually end up with a question which is what do you think is the next big question, the next big unanswered question in the field? Mm. That's kind of a challenging question. I think um, the biggest, um, of course, the biggest challenge is how do we translate um, everything that we know about mechanics, granted it's only a few decades of information, into something that is useful in the clinic, something that is uh, beyond diagnosis, uh, beyond figuring out the mechanical properties are different. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, also, how do we actually discern what is the pathological versus physiological kind of mechanical cues? Can we, can we develop um, targeted strategies to actually only um, somehow target the mechanics in the context of a pathological mm-hmm. tissue mm-hmm. Um, or, or, or disease uh, onset of progression and leaving healthy tissue intact? Yeah. And I think we just don't have enough information to understand yeah. uh, because biology and physics are so intimately connected. Um, and um, yeah, so that's a, that's a yeah, big yeah, challenge. Yeah. I, I was just wondering now that you were saying that uh, whether age may be actually mm. a part of it, right? Like the mechanics of Absolutely. the body change with age. Absolutely. Actually, uh, half of the lab um, in uh, Sarah's lab um, does aging. And we actually, we've known for ages that um, aging is a, is, a, is, a, is also a mechanical disease. Mm-hmm. So the blood vessels change, your skin properties change from a mechanical point of view. Yeah. Everybody, you know, likes to get Botox and they think the skin elasticity is changing. So mechanics uh, is a function of age. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, so there's a lot of actually phenocopies of this. The, the skin gets stiffer, the basement membranes um, get stiffer, and uh, mechanics mm-hmm. is vastly modified yeah. with, with yeah. age, not just disease. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for answering my questions. Uh, I'm really looking forward to your presentation today here at Stem Cells at Lunch. And well, this is it for this episode. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.